welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs, like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. In this episode, my guest is my colleague, Parker Olson, founder of Forage, a functional foods company. And he kicks off my new series where I'll be discussing consumer care as it relates to emerging brands. So excited for this episode and to talk to Parker. I think you'll enjoy it as well. So, hey, Parker, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Obviously, we've We've chatted a couple times, but we just have great energy together. So I'm stoked to be here. Aw, that's nice of you. And I'm honored. I'm honored. Um, well, let's start with uh, with you. This is all about you. Why don't you uh, share with us a little bit about yourself, maybe your journey from the corporate world and how you sort of landed here into Forage? Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of relevant background on me. Um, I originally... Um, took a neuroscience course at MIT out of high school and was always, you know, I was kind of like a jock, popular social kid. And I really thought the science subject sounded cool. And uh, a friend of mine was also in there and she helped me kind of get by, but I, it ended up being my favorite class and I ended up getting an, an A in it. And anyways, that is where I first learned about just mushrooms in general, right? I mean, so forage may, maybe as some people may have thought, like we, we, we do include mushrooms into everyday foods. And so anyways, that, that was really, I feel like a, a rebirth moment for me. Um, and then I originally went to school. I was uh, uh, pre-med in neuroscience and then I bailed. I, I kind of got to the point where I'm like, Ugh, that's a lot of school. That's like 15 years. Like, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and then I ended up going into, I ended up kind of bailing, going in, into finance. I graduated. I went into management consulting yeah. out of school um, up in Seattle. And then I wanted to get into weird Seattle stuff. And I got into mushroom foraging okay. Um, and got into mushroom foraging. And then I also kind of started my own, you know, kind of health journey. I I know we've talked a little bit about it, but I, for one reason or another, thought it would be a fun idea. Yes. The word fun was, was how I define it to, to, to go and be vegan for 30 days. and, And I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be interesting because I was seeing people who were vegan outside of, you know, outside of, um, because they cared for animals or or because they cared for the environment because for like personal health and wellness reasons. And I, you know, at first glance, I'm like, huh, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so because it doesn't make any sense to me, I'm therefore curious as to why people do it. Yeah. And so I decided I would try it and I spent 30 days and was vegan. And by the end of it, I I was pretty amazed. Like I, I could see how what I was eating every day transformed how I felt by the end of that month. And it took about 17 days to really kick in. And so that is where I got really curious and I started thinking, okay, vegans, the tip of the iceberg here, what are other crazy nutritional things that people are doing that that claim for these things to be life-changing that, you know, like I would never try, but now I'm curious just to see what happens. So that started a journey of of 18 months where every single month I would try a different nutritional regimen and I was kind of documenting how I felt. And it was always like day 14 to 17 was, was right around kind of where the transformation would occur for me. Um, were you like, okay, I'm going to write down everything. And were you 
vlogging at the time or doing what some people do, you know, tracking your weight loss, not your weight loss, but you know what I mean? Or no, you were just journaling yeah. for yourself. I was not, unfortunately. Yeah. I I've gotten way more into documenting and, and, and putting content out into the world since then. Um, but I, I kind of have just like rough notes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, which, which is too bad. I think it would have been pretty cool. Um, and yeah, and so I, I, you know, by the end of like month 12, I kind of had ran out of mainstream diets and I started hearing about these like medicinal mushrooms or functional mushrooms and I was already foraging and I had kind of been foraging for them and some people were, were, were replacing their coffee with teas. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like I drink a lot of coffee. I like coffee. I almost rely on coffee. Mm -hmm. Let's give up coffee. And let's try to just drink like mushroom teas. Like, I don't know. Let's just see what happens again. And that month was the best I felt out of any of the previous 12 and post five months. Hmm. Um, so that is where I got really curious. Yeah. So at the end of the kind of this 18 month journey, I kind of paused and was like, huh, like, okay, what are my takeaways here? My big takeaways were, okay, there's something that has to do with these mushrooms um, the second one was, uh, there are a lot of great diets were feeling really good. Like I felt really great when I was in full ketosis and I was fully in the keto diet, but it wasn't sustainable. And so kind of my second takeaway was, okay, you, whatever you're doing, it needs to be sustainable for the long haul. Like when I would switch diets at the end and beginning of the months was like a horrible transition period for how I felt. Like I would usually just be crashing, have really low energy. And so <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't great. And so that was kind of my second takeaway. And then the, the third one for me was, okay, what is more of a sustainable diet where I felt really good? I think I could like essentially live like this. Okay. And and that was whole food eating. Hmm. So eating whole foods, eating things that are real, um, that come from the ground, that um, you can harvest um, meat, seafood, vegetables, grain. Um, and, and so that, that was sort of the journey for me of how I got into some of this stuff. And then, um, well, the next step is you'll take us through is kind of how you decided, oh, let me start producing products. So, but before we get into that, yeah, um, I know we had chatted a, a, about how I wanted to follow you um, along. Um, well, your story is so interesting mm -hmm. anyway. So um, I really respect the founder and you and, and where you're going um, and the energy you're putting behind it. But also, I really want to dig in and follow you on your consumer care journey, as I had mentioned. And my hope is to have you back at some yeah. reasonable interval of time to yet to be decided between the two of us um, back on the podcast to kind of let us know, you know, what's working and what have you recently implemented and what do you got planned for the future? And I'm really talking about something that, you know, Big Foods talks about which is a consumer care function. You know, big companies have like a whole mm -hmm. department. And so tell us how you got into um, deciding to make the pro product and then um, talk, yeah. you know, level set us on your consumer care uh, tactics. And, and if people want to yeah. contact you, what and how can they do that? And what will they hear on the other end? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, those, those are my takeaways from this health journey. And I became, you know, basically started to dive really deep into the research on some of these mushrooms. And I became just amazed in general at how like all sorts of mushrooms, even eating like cremini mushrooms every single day can have really like really awesome health benefits. Um, and so I kind of became obsessed with the fact of like, everybody should be eating mushrooms. And a lot of people think mushrooms are gross. 
and I was like preaching it. And then I joined our local mushroom club and it's the largest mushroom society in the U S and I sat on the board there for two years. And then I decided, okay, how do I get mushrooms into my diet every day when I can't be cooking them? Like it's not the most convenient thing to just like slip in when you're kind of running around. And so then I started making our products. And so we make like a whole food ingredient, low sugar granola that's infused with, with mushroom powder. So it's like a dried um, and, and heat treated mushroom powder. So you're getting all the nutrients by just eating something that, that tastes really good. Um, so so that, that's kind of what I started to do in an effort to get these mushrooms into people's diets and help people reap these same benefits that I had personally experienced and researched and like fully believed in. So that, that, that was kind of how I kickstarted the, the business and, and always from day one and I guess I never really knew a different way to do it, but it, it was like, okay, if, if this is what I'm doing, like, you know, I want to be proud of this. I want to put my name on it. And so always from day one, it was always like full transparency with any customer or anybody who is purchasing the product or trying the product of saying, you know, here is, here is my number. Here's my email. I believe strongly in feedback. And, and that was, that, that was the early iterations of like, I want to hear how we can make this better. Right. I've always been, and, and, and this comes from my corporate background, like I understand feedback to be really valuable. And if you're not open-minded to feedback, I've seen how that can really be destructive in, in a career setting, right? right? And so it's, you know, how do you take the ego out of it and, and keep your ears open and always be listening? Um, and so I wanted to, you know, and I, and I did that very organically of like early on, anybody who bought the product, I would, I would pick up the phone and call as soon as it was delivered, right? And I, I wish I could still be doing some of that. Um, and so, you know, then it resulted to, you know, whenever, whenever someone makes a purchase now online, like you get an email and, and it's, and it's an email that I wrote out and it says, Hey, like, here's my personal email. Here's my personal cell phone. Like, I want to hear from you how we can make this better. And as, as I've learned more specifically about the food industry, like you, if your product is not fantastic, it's not going to succeed, you know, and, and I am too close to our products to understand really if they're that good or not. And so I need to continuously talk to people and 80% of people probably aren't going to say anything, but 20% of people will, will read that I hope and say, okay, you know, th this thing wasn't perfect or oh, okay, I'm intrigued by this. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call. And I think a lot of people, and, and we had briefly chatted about this, don't think I'm going to answer on the other end. <laughs> they, they think it's going to go to a call person or, somebody else. And so, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll get, you know, I always pick up, I always pick up uh, calls from, from random numbers because of this. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I'll pick up and I'm like, hello. And they're like, Hey, like, is this Parker? And I'm like, yeah, it, it is. Um, they're like, Oh, I didn't. Oh, I can't. It's you. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, Oh, I thought you just like put that down because that's what, that's what you say. Like you say, Oh, you can call me, but I didn't actually expect you to pick up. And it's really interesting as soon as people make the connect, no one's ever upset. They're like, Hey, yeah, I actually, I just, I had this really bad experience, but like, you know, here's the deal. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, like we'll make it right right now. And, and it's even just like showing up and just being there to listen. Yeah. Like people just want to be heard. And I think a lot of people are used to just, you know, big companies like running them around circles and like poor customer service. And that isn't to say like we have the best customer service ever because sometimes like maybe I don't answer the phone and then I try calling back and they don't answer and like we don't have a great system in place, right? But I think it's just enabling people to be heard and, and that is just scaled where like we now, you know, share share public, you know, all of our emails and, and our phone numbers of the team out with any customer and, and, and try and make it our job to be available for them because at the end of the day, we really are serving a customer who is paying us for our products.
Right. There's that end end to end and, you know, ultimately why we need the consumer. But you said a couple of things, which I just mm-hmm. wanted to reiterate. Um, basically, I think what you were saying, product has to be fantastic. Taste is king. You know, that is what. Taste is king. That is what, you can quote me on that. That is what, you know, I know to be true. Um, <clears throat> you've also said people just want to be heard. And I agree with that. I know I want to be heard. <clears throat> I want to be heard. Right? What? I'm not listening. I wasn't listening. No, I want to be heard. <laughs> I agree with you. And um, and also this notion, of course, taste is king. But now things are opening up. Of course, packaging is maybe queen, we'll call it. And, you know, what it can bring and what it can mm-hmm. do to the environment, right? There's some tertiary things, but taste will mm-hmm. always be king as far as I'm concerned. And then this notion of the always. provenance, you know, where does it come from? Um that's uber point uh, important too to a lot of people and knowing the owner and the founder my goodness that's like the pastry resistance you're almost like a celebrity you know so i think it's great that your instinct was to early on be open to feedback um it sounds a little bit like definitely the doors are open email phone number to a, to a customer Um, Because I know I've experienced Mm -hmm. it. I just placed an order and I got some emails asking for, you know, basically, I think the not email text said, tell me everything. I loved that. I love that open ended opportunity. Um, So I haven't opened the product yet. So I will be telling you everything. Um, But in this early, yeah, you have that to look forward to. In those early days, Parker. if I wasn't a consumer yet or a customer and I just saw the product on shelf or looking around on the website, and if I had questions, um, let's say I'm at the shelf. Let's use that scenario. I'm, I, I, this is the package I'm holding, if you can hear that, listeners. Um, you're on shelf and I have a question. How would consumers connect with you in the early days and even today? Anything on pack to help them connect yeah. and talk to you or your yeah, I mean, we, I, I, you know, we, the email, it's it's email, it's website, it's 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 cell phone, so it's dialing or it's text texting. We, you know, texting as well. I mean, we we try and make open communication channels um, mm-hmm. as much as possible in, in in a kind of a modern in a modern world today. You also, I mean, if you're in Seattle, we you know we we put our address out there uh, for people to come by the office, and so we're trying to make it available oh. um, okay. you know, as as great as we can. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect. It's, it's okay. Um, and yeah, like I said, like, like if you risk, there's a couple emails, there's like a general forage email. And if you respond to that, I field almost all of those emails, but I also Mm -hmm. field obviously all the ones to my personal. So it's, it's really all all of the above, um, channels work and we're trying to keep all of our listening channels open because many people want to communicate in different ways. Right. Absolutely. You have a good instinct for this. Um, you really do. So I have the most recent package. I see that you have the URL. So somebody could go to that mm-hmm. URL and snoop around. And I think there's probably like a special email address on there, right? Like hello at forage.co or something like that. Okay. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh huh. Okay. So they can email and that's an open-ended email. Um, the reason I just say that and it's yeah. not wrong is some bigger companies have like a form to fill out. And you could look at that either way. The form could be a little daunting. It could feel too corporate. Um, I'm not here to, to judge, but the fact that you're open to the, cha- you have this channel opens great. 
and then also I'm looking on the package. And is that a little Instagram handle and, and photo? Yeah, yeah, all, all of our socials. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, all right. On this one, I only see the I only see the uh, Instagram, but does that represent all the socials? I guess it's at farge.co. Yeah, it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, how about this? Who's on the other end of if I were to go out and follow you, which I do, um, and DM you or PM you, who's on the other end of, on that answering that? That's me. And it's you. All right. I think it's, we've concluded you me. are. Yeah. Pardon me? Yeah. I, uh, well, I have a good story that I think you'll find enter entertaining Hi. that uh, I'd like to share. Um, Please so I was, so I was, uh, for some listeners who may not know, and I, we've talked about it, but I was living out of this pop-up camp, this Japanese import. It's a 1995 pop-up camper van. It's older than I am. And um, it's, it's pretty eclectic. And I was living out of it for about a year, driving around the country, like going to different grocery stores we were in. It's branded. And while I was down in Southern California, I got an, an email. Um, and I, I actually could pull up the email okay. if, if we think it's relevant. But it, 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 was a, it was a customer who was not happy. And, and they actually had purchased our product in stores. Um, they purchased it at a chain called Lazy Acres Market. Okay. Um, and basically it just says, you know, it said like, Hey, I was really excited when I saw this product. It looks really cool. Um, I bought the product and I was super disappointed. Um, it was horrible. Like, I don't know if like the product quality has been bad, but I checked the, the, uh, best buy date and yeah. that was totally fine. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I am, you know, writing to you and like, I am upset. Like I want my money back type of conversation got it and um basically i i responded right away and i said oh my god like i am so sorry you know where do you live i'm down in southern california right now i will come to your house and i will drop off products replace and she responded right away she's like are you serious and i'm like yeah of course like i'm i'm i don't think i'm that far so i go so i i she gets she sends she emails me her address and okay. then I pull up and like 10 minutes later, I'm at her house mm -hmm. and, and she, and I email her and I'm like sitting in her driveway and I see her like poke her head out her door and she's like, her eyes are just like wide. Like it, it felt like it was so cool. And then we start getting to chatting and she was awesome. She was super yeah. friendly. She's just like, yeah, like I can't believe you literally showed up. And I'm like, well, yeah, it just like made sense. Like, why wouldn't I? I saw you were at, you bought from a store that I was nearby. Of course you lived right. by like what am I just going to like email you and put you through some sort of function? Like, like these are things that need to be addressed right now. And like, mm -hmm. I need to understand what's happening on the back end and like how we can fix that. And so anyways, we're chatting we ended up chatting for like half an hour and she was awesome. And she's like, I can't wait to tell all my friends about yep. this. I'll of course let you know if we find any product that's not good. And then she yeah. during COVID had started this like painted rock collection and she let me choose a rock from from her collection and i still keep it in our van and and it's a little where's waldo rock oh okay um and so we have we have we have this photo together it's on linkedin and, and it's, yeah, I think it's I saw us it. with the where's waldo rock it's, it's her it's her legitimate email in the body and like her and i will still email to this day and she's like all oh, my friends at your product now mm -hmm. and i bring this story up for a couple reasons so like one of course like pretty neat to go out and like meet a customer who had a bad experience and like completely transform them but two, yeah. especially for early stage, you know, food brands specifically, like 
quality can be a, ch a challenge. Like as you're trying to scale and you're going to a new manufacturer or like you're trying to build scale up the recipe, like the recipes don't scale linearly. It's not like you can just double the recipe and it turns right. out totally fine. And so that, that can, things can happen. And, and I've been chatting with some other founders about this and we've started to notice a trend where having negative quality is, can happen. And when it does happen, there are people that are upset. And when you go as the founder specifically to these people and you talk with them and you make it right, yeah. these people become like superstar fanatics and then become like some of your most loyal fan base. Um, yes. And so it's kind of this interesting paradigm where like having some negative reactions can actually be really positive on the business and you can create these like super fanatic customers because, because like ultimately like you're providing this really high level of customer service. Um, Very and so personalized. kind of the, 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 the main reason, I, exactly. And, and the main reason I bring it up is actually, so we're kind of redoing our website right now. And I'm going to use that story on our website, like even potentially on our product page to say like, Hey, like we're a small company, like bad things do happen. And if this ever happens, like we want to show you how you will be treated. And, and it's sort of a, like, this is kind of our guarantee. Like, this is us saying like, if something were ever bad happened, like you can reach out and we will make it right. And like, here's this awesome example of it happening. Um, and you like, so, and kind using, of a long winded story. I love that story too. Using UGC user generated content in a way. Um, well, it's not really anyway. But, um, and so she's probably very excited. All her friends will want to see it. Um, I think that's a fantastic story. Yeah. I know we have another, another story I want to get into as well. I saw on LinkedIn, but right now I want to get very granular. And again, please, these are not any questions to offend you. I'm just doing that level, more of the level setting so that when you come back. So in the early days, 1-800 number, mainstay of big big company consumer care. What were you thinking about when you decided to not go the 1-800 number at this time or that time? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, I never crossed my mind. I, it, hmm. it, it, it baffles me to think that that would cross someone's mind. Um, I know sometimes people will do a second number through Google and it like can go through their phone, but I'm like, okay, I have a phone number here's the phone number like like we we are trying to put something on the map like why would we want to ostracize the the consumer by putting them into this like dark 1-800 zone um and so i don't know like i, I it's it, it i mean even just to raise the question for me it feels I, I don't think we ever would okay and that's fair let the record show as when you come back in nine to 18 months um i have a feeling you're gonna stay you know stand your ground on that one Nothing wrong with it. Again, I'm just just checking. Um, some people also have it on their website too. Um, did it have anything mm -hmm. to do with when you think about your audience? Uh, well, obviously, if it didn't cross your mind, it didn't cross your mind. So you, your demographic is you would never pick up the phone and call somebody. You would text them, email them. Probably, but I, I would be way less likely to dial a 1-800 yeah. number than I would a personal number, I think. Yeah, interesting. How about um, some of the other social pages? Um, were you contemplating any of those? I see you on Instagram. Um, let's yeah. take Facebook, for example. Where were you when you are thinking about Facebook? Where are you today on that? We're on Facebook. It's a little bit, you know, secondary. I don't interact with a ton of people on there, but I field any, like anybody who comments on anything, I field. Yeah. 
That's you. So like, you know, yeah. It, I would say 80% of the time we now have like, like our, we, we have a small team of three. And so it's something where like, if it's in the, if it's in our email and, and it's Facebook, other people will go on and respond. But I, that, that's, that's the first thing I look at in the morning is I go huh. through and I see if there's any customer reviews, yep. any customer complaints or any, or any engagement. That's another question. It's, just, it's too I important. Oh, part. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm ready to hire you to help me on my curious colleague because I think you've got you've got just an yeah. instinctive feel. Um, uh, ratings and reviews. Do you uh, have those on your website? Like this opportunity to do that. Yep. Okay, so that's we we have ratings and reviews. My my favorite reviews are the like three star reviews. You know, mm-hmm. someone who's like, look, it was super good. Like, here's this thing that I think could make it a five star review. You know, I feel like those people usually like have some good intel. Mm-hmm. Or like the one star review usually are kind of flukes or like hmm. something random that happened. And then some of the, you know, some of the five star reviews are super genuine. I think other ones are just like, oh, this is super cool. Like five stars, you know, like, yeah. it, like it's an easy option, but the three star reviews are, 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 I think where the value is. They're the juicy ones. You know, some companies have like Ooh. a whole strategy. You're going to laugh at this about how they approach the ratings and reviews. So what I mean by that is some people are like, well, let's just do the ones and twos and respond to those because so many, you know, are coming in, right? Um, or some companies are like, well, let's just do the, let's just do all of them, treat them all equally the same. But it feels like your strategy is to reply, is to really zone in on those three stars and reply to those. Well, I would say would I you- listen most closely to the stars. I respond to every single review. Okay. If you go to our product page and you go to the reviews, you will yeah. see responses. And it's cool because because I read them first thing in the morning. It's cool. Some of them I'm like, damn, this just made my whole day. Oh. Thanks. This is really cool. Parker. Nice. All right. I think I've tortured you enough with uh, taking you through all the, some of the different options. Um, tell me about your strategy right now is, you know, Gaining one consumer at a time. Um, tell me about your story with uh, Dorothy, who recently reached out to you with an email, right? Can you talk a little bit about that to us? Yeah. Yeah. So, so something we've been doing for the past six to eight months is writing a lot of content about the mushrooms. Um, mm-hmm. So whether that's collecting research, um, putting together um, more just kind of like happenings in the space or new findings or just like history um, and, and, you know, different use cases. And one of the articles that we wrote was just collecting all of the, um, all of the information and research around like how uh, one specific mushroom like lion's mane has been used for Parkinson's, mm-hmm. particularly in the Eastern hemisphere. Like it's they're, they're running interesting trials. They're showing promising results. There, there's nowhere on there where we're like, Hey, like, if you have Parkinson's, you should take lion's mane. It's like, hey, like this is interesting research that's going on. That's kind of it. And this, I got an email one day, and it was, it was from a, a woman, Dorothy Dot Mead. She's, she's just a sweet, lovely name. Um, <laughs> and it was this email, and it was this whole full email about how you know she had found the blog and she was reading, and like she had tried all of the traditional. Um, approaches to Parkinson's disease. And, and she had just, you know, she had, she had recently in the past year been diagnosed with Parkinson's. She was also a type two diabetic 
and how she had found the our page and the research and like just looked into what was going on and and found it to be like really compelling and authentic and was like i don't think you know and i'm not here to say like your product has is or has solved my parkinson's disease but i can tell you like i feel better and like Mm -hmm. it's really cool to know that like there are stewards out there like like yourself who are like trying to make an effort and like make an impact and like it was so cool like the the verbiage she used was so powerful um I, w- I kind of want to pull pull it up if if you don't mind. I, I'd be unless feel, do you have it pulled up. Free. Or, as an overweight type two diabetic who experiences daily pain in my extremities and having just been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, I saw your forage granola ad while perusing Facebook. I so enjoyed reading about you and your company that you founded. You shared so much information, unlike those cold and sterile companies who are in it for the almighty dollar and not the love of their product. Because of the sincerity in every sentence, I knew that you would give me an experience I've never had. And eating the sunflower seed cacao opened my eyes and taste buds of truly enjoyed granola. You see, I've always vetoed granola. It seemed too dry and rather disgusting to eat. Your granola changed my mind 180 degrees. And then she kind of goes on. And then her and I have gone back and forth in like like a 20 email chain. Wow. And I'm just like, whoa, like this is really cool. Like I hope you're feeling good. Like, yeah. you know, if there's anything else I can do to help. And then, and then we actually sent her a couple free bags because it was just like such a kind thing for her to go out of her way and, yeah. and, and just say some of those words. Um, it was cool. Yeah. Um, that's worth, that's worth its weight in gold. And that needs to be printed and framed for sure. And every day you look at that and yeah. I think her photo, you got a photo too, I think, or am I dreaming of someone else? Yeah. 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 No, yeah, you're right. She, she sent me a photo of herself and yeah. it was awesome. Just, just nice to put like a, a name to a face. Well, that's beautiful to hear. Hey, um, thank you for sharing that. And I want to play a little game now that I just inve- that I invented. It's called "If I Told You I Was Going to Be Be Providing to You at No Cost." Okay, a consumer care CPG expert to be at your disposal. What questions might you ask them? What is it that you'd want to know or learn from them? Yeah. I, I mean, I would want to understand like how I would want to understand a, like how they do when they get yelled at. <laughs> I think, I when think, you know, w- when most customers, Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. When they get yelled at from a consumer, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, like when most consumers are reaching out, they're upset. And so it's mm-hmm. important to not be triggered and it's important to, to, to remove your own personal ego, I think from the equation. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's something that personally took me a long time to be like, this is, you know, like I could look at some scenarios and be like, this is ridiculous what you're complaining about, but like, it's not about me. And it's not about what I think. It's not about how I perceive the situation. It's ultimately about like, did this person have a certain expectation about this experience and was it missed? And if so, why? And, and how can we improve mm-hmm. that? Um, but I think there, there, there also takes a really good sense of like empathy for people who are in customer care. Um, like you just have to be an empathetic and, and you can't bring your own daily qualms and your issues and whatever else is going on in your personal life to 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 supporting the customer journey because when you do that's when like you maybe get defensive over commentary and like you have to come in expecting like okay this person's really upset like how can i diffuse this situation and make it right and make everybody feel good about this right um and as i was chatting about earlier like our thesis and if you believe like the most upset customers can become the biggest fans, right? So if, if you try and take a step back and look at that more like from a big corporate standpoint, like, wow, that's the monetary value of mm-hmm. creating a really big fan out of a really upset customer is massive. 
And so like there's it's the ROI is there to really make it right for someone who um you know who who feels wronged. Um so I think you know th- those are a couple of questions I'd ask. I'd ask about empathy, I'd ask about, you know, how how they've dealt with this in the past if mm-hmm. if they're able to kind of take their ego out of things. Yep. Um you know, how they do in these situations where they're getting yelled at um and so forth. Okay. But I think the other component, and, and I feel like this is maybe kind of a steal from like Zappos, because I think this is what they did, but like you would want someone in that position to feel ownership over the business, whether that is real ownership with equity or like give them a real sense of ownership of like, this is something they want to be proud of and, and own, right? And it's not like they're mm-hmm. representing a third party. It's like they're representing something that like they're actually a part of. Um, so, but yeah. I, I think that's more in terms of like how are you? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so maybe that question that you would ask this person at no cost would be, uh, how do you maybe instill that ownership um, and incentivize so that they would care for the mm-hmm. consumer, treat the consumer the way you might as a founder, and maybe how's the best way to do that? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Excellent. Very good. Denise, are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? What's, I, what's going on here? I I need yet another side gig, Parker, along with my <laughs> uh, full-time job, Me my too. family, and uh, everything else, and my health journey. That's funny. Um, mm-hmm. So before we, well, before we get into my last question for you, uh, thank goodness, right? I'm wondering, because I do like to ask all my guests this, do you have a nonprofit organization you'd like to give a shout out to? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do. Thank, thanks for bringing that up. That, that's cool. I love that you do that. Um, I, uh, well, I used to participate in and then sit on, or I, I still do participate and I still am a member, but I used to sit on the board of, of the Puget Sound Mycological Society or PSMS um, is kind of what they go by. And it's the largest mushroom mycological society or mushroom club in the u.s um and really their whole mission is around driving education towards uh, mushrooms mushroom foraging medicinal uses of mushroom um uh, environmental uses of of mushroom and fungi and and really trying to just broaden the the scope and understanding of, of like everybody in society like foraging is sort of a dying it's kind of a dying um activity and so, yeah, the mission is really about driving education towards all of the awesome things you can do from foraging and what you can do with mushrooms um, across the spectrum, everywhere from health related to environment related to to even social causes, uh, which we can talk about in some other episode. But wow. shout out PSMS. They're, uh, they're out of Seattle. PSMS. Okay. I will be posting them um, um, with your episode. So people can reach out there if they want to learn more. No one's mentioned that one yet. So you are unique in that in that vein. Um, well, and, and how can people best connect with you if they want to learn more about you, your mission, yeah. mushrooms? Yeah, you, you, you can find more about Forage in the business at www.forage.co. That's F-O-R-I-J dot C-O. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in, in me, reach out over. I'm really active on LinkedIn, um, Parker Olson. I have a little like mushroom emoji next mm-hmm. to my name or my email is, is Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R at forage.co, F-O-R-I-J dot C-O, or, or shoot me a text. My, my number is 617-939-7132. Okay. Or are... call. Calls. Actually, I'd probably prefer a call. Okay. 
do you have before I before I let you go? Do you have time for um, to, time to do a double secret bonus question episode with me after this? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do it. I've got time. Okay, and thank you again for taking time out of your weekend. I know to chat with me on the podcast. No, likewise. This is great. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.